your boy DQ. Uh, you will hear some dog barking in the background because uh, poor Jackson is, uh, ha- well, he's been banished to the back room because someone didn't tell me his dog wasn't neutered. I didn't think. Okay. So I, you made a broad assumption thinking that he was. I got him when he was like four. Anyways, and I not months. His mom told me to bring the baby, so I did. And she's only five months, so she's not spayed yet. So Jackson is barking from DQ's room. Well, at first he put in there because like he growled at her way back when they first got here. And after that, he kind of calmed down and kind of just wanted to sniff and everything else. And eventually, I kind of wised up. I was like, all right. I actually know what he's trying to do now. I was like, just let them play. And then he was like, no, no, no. He's trying to do this other thing. And I was like, what other thing? Oh, (laughs) well, isn't he, isn't he neutered? And DQ was like, no. And I was like, well, all right then. So Jackson is a little upset and the poor thing's just been barking nonstop. He'll be okay. Well, I feel bad. And my dog's over here being a little angel. She's asleep on the floor. Yes. But yeah, so I drove to DQ this time. He did not drive up to me, and we're now remote. Because he wanted me to meet his Yorkie, and his mom wanted to meet my Yorkie. And and Jordan, obviously, too, but you know. Dogs come first. Yes. That's where the priority lies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then his dad got called out to work. And I was like, maybe that's a good thing, because uh, I have one doozy of a story today. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of a little worried that his parents might never want me back in their house after I told the story. I feel like if I told her mom would be fine. It's like, dad would be like, what in the... F-? He'll say some weird things, and he'll be like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some demons in our story today. It's okay. I But I, I guarantee you... They're probably got some strange name, which would make, make sense in this case. But I'm telling you guys, Jordan looks up these names and it's just like, what did you, where did this come from? But it's okay, because you get used to it. Well, I mean, the names of these demons are in the Bible. That doesn't make them any less weird names. I mean, it doesn't, but it's <laughs> not like I didn't have to Google them because the story told me. There you go. Well, I mean, I already knew about the demons. It just, they told me which ones were involved. Um, Lucifer? What? Is it Lucifer? <laughs> he's not a demon. He's a fallen angel. It's very different. And he's apparently locked in a cage somewhere in hell. There we go. Yep. So do you want me to jump right in or do you have anything you want to say? Um, there's not much to say other than, um, today was a good day. Everybody kind of like fed off of each other, so we're fine. Everybody likes each other, as far as I know. I'll probably definitely get the confirmation later. But it was just kind of funny, because, like, Jordan's like, hello, and then Mom, like, reached out for the hug. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I said, ah, there it is. There it is right there. I was just very sweaty. 
I don't know why. Like, I, I'm freezing, but I'm sweating. And so I was like, are you sure you want to? Okay, we're going in for the hug. But it wasn't because I didn't want to hug her. I just, I feel gross, which is weird because I took a shower this morning. Um, I don't know. But I, I had to change my clothes because I was wearing pants. And I was like, no, 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 I got to put shorts on because uh, it's hot. But it, then again, I'm freezing right now. So who knows? Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a weird time. And I'm finishing up track season like Jordan. Wait, did you already post a mini episode? No. No, you were editing it. Well, y'all wouldn't. I'm not okay. connected to your parents' internet. <sighs> You're right. Okay. So I was just going to post it when I get home. All right. So, track season's basically finishing up. We got a couple kids that will be at the area meet next week, but um, I probably don't have to go to that because none of them are in my event because of reasons. But it's okay. But we came in second place as a team, which was really good because. You can go back for the past, like, six years at least. And we've never scored as many points as we did as a team last night as we ever have. And we were in second place, which is kind of crazy because it's never been like that. And it came down all the way to the final race, which is, like, kind of crazy that we were having that conversation. We talked about it, like, at the meet last night as this recording, um, that we were, like, it's kind of crazy to think that we were having the conversation that it was coming down to the last race for us to have a chance to win the whole darn thing. But you got real close. We did. And it's like, and I, I didn't like, I didn't text a kid, to, like, I already told him I'm proud of him, but it's just like one of the kids he came through, and all of a sudden that man started crying because he, like, he knew we, he didn't beat the team. Like, he couldn't catch the kid that was in front of us and the team that was beating us, and he, like, he took it hard. But it was just like, it was moments like that that let you know, it's like, hey, you know, he wanted to go get it, and it was just one of those things, like, we're proud of him. And there was a couple of times that everybody could see me, like, jumping around, yelling, and getting excited for my kids because they were just going balls to the wall. And we appreciate them. Yeah, but, um, no, we, we won't beat around the bush too much because Jordan's been around me all day, and I know she's ready to leave. It's okay. Um, I'm just really tired. That's normal. I mean, it is, but, listen, I haven't had AC, so, like, I haven't slept well all week because my dog is apparently hot natured and doesn't like to be hot so then she's not sleeping but she's also not wanting to play because it's too hot but then I'm not sleeping because it's too hot and so yeah it's it's been it's been a week my AC is fixed now but I also didn't get to Palestine until way later than planned because I had to wait for the maintenance guy to fix my conditioner before I left mm-hmm. And by the time she got here, I literally woke up about 20 minutes before because I went back to sleep. Cause I was like, yeah, I was up and about. And I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a nap. I'm going to wait. And also, earlier this week, Jordan woke up and chose violence. Because she was, she was coming at your boy. He asked me a question. It wasn't even just that. It was it was the entire like hour of that conversation. Like Jordan was ready to like throw down and like stab me. I just me. told you. I haven't had AC, and I haven't slept all week. Look, 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 look. Um, but he asked me a question, and I answered it. Which was fine. Like, it was just a fact. Like, even after that, she was just, like, getting after me. And I was like, oh, my good, Let me breathe. But it, to me, it was funny. I don't think I was being that mean. But it, to me, it, to me, it oh was... Gosh, I'm going to have to go back and look now. But to me, it was just, to me, it was just funny. Because, like, normally she can, like, like joke around a little bit. That one, she... She was definitely, she woke up and chose violence to the point she definitely sent me a, uh, what was it? She, was it a penguin with like a knife? It was a machete. 
Okay, I pinged with a machete and I made a joke. Like I, I kept running. When I was like, I said same height. I said no, same size and everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's a meme. It's a penguin holding a machete, and it says, slept like shit, so I'll be choosing violence today. And I told him, I said, this is who I am today. And this is after he asked me the question, which I answered honestly. I could have ignored it. And but then, then we have, like, a battle of memes. <laughs> yes. And then, like, she throws out a Korean saying at me. I throw one out back. She's like, and then she sends me one, and it's like, that word doesn't think like doesn't mean what you think it means. Like I knew what you were trying to say, but that's not what you say. Yeah, so I just went ahead and used a different like use a different thing with the rock, and I was like, this just make it simple on myself. But yeah, that was that was my that was my time because she woke up and like it was she was ready to go that day. Is that the same day that I like offered to throw myself off the roof? Yes, <laughs> it was the exact same day. <laughs> Like that was a like that that all that all took span that all took in the span of I think like an hour hour and a half. My uh, a coworker the tornadoes that we had last week uh, damaged her roof and so she had literally just gotten a brand new roof put on. I mean, like the insurance covered the whole thing and she's mm-hmm. never had a brand new roof put on this house. She just kind of like patches it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But she got a brand new roof and so then. We were at work that day, and a whole new slew of storms was supposed to roll in with the potential for tornadoes, and I misunderstood the conversation, because mm-hmm. I heard um, my boss asked my coworker, hey, or I bet you wish you could just go throw yourself off your roof right now, thinking, because we've all had, like, stuff going on, like, with projects and stuff at work, um, and when we're having to work with other government groups mm-hmm. that don't know how to communicate or don't want to do their job we kind of get yelled at and so there's like there's been some tension at work not really necessarily between us but between like us and other third party entities Mm -hmm. so I was thinking that this was having to do with the project that they're having trouble with and I was like I'll jump with you thinking um the man to walk across yeah I just like saw someone walk across those kitchen windows and was like oh my god yeah so my I forgot your aunt was supposed to come back yeah, it's all good. But yeah, so I heard my boss ask her if she, I bet, or I bet you want to go throw yourself off your roof. But what she had actually said is, I bet you wish you could throw yourself over your roof. Because she just got it repaired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I'll go jump off your roof with you, you know. And they were just like, that, What? Yeah, and they were just like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, it's one of those days. That's just where I am at emotionally. And they were like, that, those are some very strong feelings. Is there anything we can do to help? And I was like, can I go home? <laughs> and they were just like, no, we have a very important meeting in like 10 minutes. And I was like, then no, you can't help. Like, it, like guys, it's like, it's really not that big of a deal. I just wanted to poke fun at it because it was like, it was one of those days where she like, was ready. She was ready to go. Like she was, like I was ready to go in more ways than one. You wanna fight me? Cool. You want me to jump off the roof? Also cool. It was it was one of those days and I was like, man, I haven't had it I haven't been part of one of those in a minute. So I was like I just thought it'd be to me, like I told her I was to me it's funny because I was like, Oh, it was one of those days. <laughs> Meanwhile I'm just like dreading through school, like trying to get to like the trap meet on Wednesday, then Thursday. Huh? 
I'd have much rather it been a track meet. Honestly, the Wednesday one, you would have been fine because the like you normally you remember you said the sun's the problem. Wednesday there was no sun to be the problem. It was just mm-hmm. cloudy and a little bit of rain. Yep, and a long lightning delay. Honestly, it was fine. It was it to me. It was just funny because like half of us were split up. Like some of us were in like the um hospitality room. Which is where all the food's at. So I'm there because, like, they had just got the food going. So, of course, I'll show up there. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, like, I had the first in the line, I went to the cat, I went to the, um, the, the middle school gym with everybody else. So I was already there, sat on the floor. So if you literally, if you didn't know what I looked like, you'd have thought I was one of the kids because I literally matched with some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second time, I was like, you know, I'm gonna chill in here. Cause, like, when I, cause I think it was, I'm gonna go get food before I go. And I saw that. There was two coaches and two other coaches in there. Then the fourth one came, so we all just chilled in there until like some of them had to go do some stuff to get some more like supplies for the meet and everything else. And I was like, "All right, let me go ahead and get out and go." And then I popped up, and then they were like, "Where have you been?" And I was like, "In eating." <laughs> in the eating room. Yeah, it was like they were like where there is food. Yep, and then they were like sitting there, and like one of the coaches was like, "Hey, where you been, man?" He's like, "He's like, how many enchiladas you eat?" And I was like, three. And they were like. Ah, good, good. It's like not too much to get full, but not like too little to where you like think you probably should have ate more. Like, yep. But, you know, we had a good time. We had a good time. I'm glad. It's, as I, as, as I hear the Yorkie snoring. Oh, yeah, you know she snores. I did ask the vet if that was normal. They didn't really give me a straight answer, but they didn't seem concerned, so. I mean, people snore all the time. I think it'd be okay. But when people snore, they have sleep apnea. Snoring is not healthy. Especially if you snore like my father. Or Jordan. How would you even know if I snored? You want to see me choose violence? I will choose violence right now. How would that make you choose violence? (laughs) Because you're making an assumption that you shouldn't be making. Calm down. Don't slap me like never mind. <laughs> 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 All right. Alright, let's let's get on with the business before I get myself in more trouble. I'm just constantly making fun of me. It's only because I accept you. Sure. Okay. Well can I guess I don't know what you make fun of me for in this story, but I wouldn't make fun of any of the demons in this story. Oh, it does have a, somebody we can make fun of, though. Oh, God. My favorite person to make fun of. Baggins? Yeah! <laughs> we call him Baggins. Baggins. Because he hates that. And also, I don't want to get sued for saying his name on a podcast. Because uh, he apparently likes to sue and block people on social media, which I wouldn't care if he blocked me on social media, but I would care if he sued me because I have no money. Okay. Just change your voice a little bit. That wasn't me. <laughs> so, you've never heard of the House of 200 Demons? No. No? Why the 200? I don't know. Some clairvoyant said so. So far, I, I mean, so far I only have like two names. Out of the 200? Yeah. <laughs> it's no. called the House of the 200 Demons. But we only, like, encounter two ghosts and two demons, supposedly. Where is this? We're going to get to that before I start asking questions. It's in Gary, Indiana. 
So that's where we're not going on our road trip. Well, we can't go there anymore. Did they blow it up? No. I mean, it was destroyed. It wasn't blown up. But Zach, uh, Mr. Mr. Baggins did uh, bulldoze it. A smart man. It's like the only, well, it's like the only half smart decision he's ever made in his entire life. Because he bought the house when he found out that it was the house of 200 demons. But then had some really crazy stuff happen inside of it. And then he tried to make, like, a documentary, and then it took three years for the documentary to come out because a bunch of stuff happened. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I, I think, like, people, like, that helped him or that were working on the documentary ended up, like, in the hospital for, like, really weird reasons. There was staff members that just up and quit in the middle of the documentary. Um, he spent a night in the house by himself, and he had, like, searing pain behind his eyes, so he went to the hospital. And now he has to wear, like, really thick prism glasses because he has, like some weird eye condition that the doctors can't, like, find a cause for. And he swears up and down it's because he spent a night in this house by himself after probably antagonizing the spirits inside and doing exactly what I tell you not to do. Um, so yeah, so he bulldozed it. But at the same time, if there's really 200 demons in this house, (laughs) should you really be bulldozing the house? And, you know, because potentially you could, like, release them into the world it, it, logically speaking for me like that just doesn't track for me but maybe it tracks for other people I understand but like let's be honest here you got one or two options leave the house alone which is a pliable option makes perfect sense or two make sure no one else can go into that house ever again no and I understand that the latter because when there was no one in the house because even though he owned it he of course wasn't living in it of course not so but there were squatters that kept breaking in and staying in it and so i guess if he thought it was that much of a danger bulldozing it would be the the safest way to handle it but at the same time did you just release 200 demons into the world like how did that work where did they go because he like bulldozed it and then buried it in the plot so like maybe they got buried too i don't know I don't know. There's just too many variables in that situation. No, they took over the bulldozer. They took over. That poor bulldozer driver is just like forever possessed now. Anytime he tries to work that bulldozer. Now the demons are like fighting over who gets to drive. Yes. <laughs> Man, probably like, hey, I'm pretty sure I left it over there last night. And it's just like a whole like three feet away. And he, every time he gets in, he never like remembers like completing the job. It just He happened. just like wakes up and he's like outside the bulldozer. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like a, hey, um, Hey, uh, is this normal? Yeah, yeah, this is like his third time this week. And it's like, you're going to tell him? Nah. The job's getting done, so we just don't ask questions. Mm-hmm, but man. he does act really strange when he's driving the bulldozer. It's like he says some weird enchantations, but you know, we think that's like some, that's some way of him hiking himself up. So we just like, you know what? We let him do him. We don't talk to him during this. We just let him do him. Demonic self pep talk. <laughs> hey, do what you got to do. Possessed haunted bulldozer. Okay. Um... So yeah, so we're in Gary, Indiana. Um, this house, it's it's a one-story house. It's pretty basic. It's actually kind of old, and it's not really a remarkable house or, like, fancy. There's no history. There's no, like... There's no house. Well, yeah, there's no house anymore. <laughs> but, but, but I think the house was built kind of, like, in the 60s or 70s. It, it was a rental property, had a landlord. Um, Gary, Indiana is known as the murder capital of the nation, um, it's right outside of Chicago. Ah, see, there it is. I was and like, I was it's like, a very impoverished area. So a lot of that area has seen death. 
But there's nothing, like, truly specifically remarkable about the house or the plot of land where that house is on. Mm -hmm. There's nothing specifically that happened at the house or on the little tiny plot of land that the house is on for it to be filled with 200 demons in my research. I only have the same research that, like, Mr. Baggins has and that everybody else that's covered this pot, this, this case has had, mm-hmm. um, there's only so much information out there, but yep. I mean, the person who owned the house before Mr. CV did, there were people that lived in that house before that, and they didn't have any issues. So then the question kind of came to be, well, like, why is it this family? But I mean, we have that question with the, the Amityville house. Why did it choose that family? Because anybody who's lived there before or after that, they've never had any issues. So it's it's a controversial case, but it's really creepy and really crazy. Like, super crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the house itself is, is pretty basic. Um, one, one story, well, two if you count the basement, because there is a basement. Um, but, it's, but it's a one story with a basement. Uh, on the main floor, there's two bedrooms, one bathroom, a uh, kitchen. All the floors are hardwood floor, and then you have the basement, which the floor under the stairs is dirt, but the rest of the basement is concrete, and then there's a bedroom in the basement that has, like, weird green carpet. What? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, that gave me, like, 60s, 70s vibes, so I do feel like this house was built in the 60s or the 70s, because that green carpet looked awfully familiar. (laughs) But... But it's not like dark green, like your like that green, like your carpet green. Yeah, I was like, guys, she pointed, and I'm like, you, she, they can't see that, but yes. But um, that was pointing to you. Well, I, well, today, but, it's, but it's it's light green. That's like it's weird. Oh, like like Mister Machine light green. No, more like game green. Ew. Yeah, like it's such a weird color. Okay, the, all, all but the it's like a '70s light green shag carpet in the basement. No. Everywhere else is hardwood floor. But that's where all the two hundred demons party. Well, supposedly the two hundred demons party on the dirt floor underneath the stairs. They had. No, I, mean, I guess they have standards. Um, I just realized I was sitting there. It's like, can you imagine? Like when you said the basement, I even got weirded. I was like, wait a minute, they bulldozed the house, but did they leave the basement intact? See, I also have questions about that, and I could not find an answer to it. Because I'm just sitting there, if it's a basement, you bulldoze the top part, you didn't bulldoze the basement. Well, yeah, and he said he buried it. So, like, did he bulldoze the top part and then shove all of the, like, rubble from the main part of the house into the basement and then just, like, cover it in dirt? Like, I, I have a lot of questions here. What is going on? I don't know. But, like, I'm, I also, like, the other thing I was thinking is, like, man, like, because, you know, people obviously, you see there's squatters and everybody else. So, people obviously knew about the house. They may have known it by its name and everything else, but they may not have the, oh, it's just a regular basic house. And then, like. Because the news is the one that gave it that name. Okay. And can you imagine, like, all of a sudden you're, like, out and about and it's, like, like a storm happens and he's like, all right, you need to find shelter. It's like, well, there's a house of 200 demons. Now, nah, I'm going to go get in that ditch over there. Do. I'd be like, I feel so, like, nah, it's like, cause it's like, I'll take my chances with the tornado. Um, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm just saying, it's like, there's, a, there's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I couldn't imagine like, be like, oh, you know, cause you know, there's some people that are like, oh, that's just a name, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get into it and you start seeing some strange thing, then you mysteriously find the weird green looking carpet. And like, all right, some, there's some evil afoot here. And then, you know, you leave and it's like, what did it for you? Did you see something? Yeah. 
I saw that green carpet. What? It's like you. you the scariest would, thing in that house is the green carpet in the basement. It's like because it's like guys. Like, he's like, no, that that sounds normal. Like, no, it doesn't fit the rest of the house. Like everything else makes sense. It's like that. That is the most evil thing I've ever witnessed. It's like, and there was some floating above it, but I ignored that because of the whole green thing. I mean, the green carpet is what I fixated on. It's like, but there was something else there, but. I felt like the green carpet took priority. And then everybody's going to be like, what? what are you talking about? And then there's gonna be like one guy's like, yeah, i seen it too. And I'm like, and you're like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, the green carpet, guys. It, it's just not it. Let me see if I can find a picture of it. Hold on. I just, no. So I was sitting here trying to find a picture of the carpet from the basement of this house, which I only got to see a glimpse of it in the documentary that uh, Zach Baggins filmed. And we're just sitting here. And EQ's TV just turns off by itself. Yeah, no, like, because I was like, and I knew it was off because we've been in the house for like at least an hour and some change now, but all of a sudden it's just like, it's like, and I knew my aunt wasn't in there because I know I, I've watched her every time she's came out, but she'd always go back to the room because I think she knows we're recording. But all of a sudden it's just like, poof, it came on. I was just like, huh? Um, I'm like, we haven't even gotten into the juicy bits yet. Yeah, so I'm just like, um, maybe it's one of those things that could cut on because of a certain time. I looked at what time I was like, nah, that doesn't make sense. 7.05 is a weird time to cut something on. So I was like, uh, nope. So I went in there and cut it off. Didn't ask questions. Didn't think too much about it. And I was like, if something's going to happen, it's going to hit when I hit this power button. <laughs> so I took my chances and I'm okay right now. <laughs> okay. Well, I did keep a picture of the house. So this is the house. It looks like something you see every day. Like yeah, you said. Like it's, it's not a remarkable house. It's very, very normal. It's got a screened-in porch. Um, it's uh, just a white paneled house. Um, and it's like lined on the street. There's like four houses that all look the same because they're all owned by the same person. And they're just rental houses. Mm-hmm. Like it, it looks like something you see every day in every town. Like every town has that like street of houses that all look the same that are all rental properties or something like that um it just looks a little old because you know i feel like it was built in the 70s um so this case is actually the most documented case of human possession in the united states in modern history um excuse me yeah and when i say most documented there's not Pictures like if you have researched like me Enfield poltergeist and that kind of stuff, there's pictures of the girl supposedly like flying across the room or levitating. Hmm. Um, so we don't have pictures of the things that the people were doing because a lot of the things that happened happened to children. And the mom was like, I don't want my kids' names released, and so any videos that were taken. Um, no, uh, Mr. Baggins got to see them because he went and interviewed, like, all the police that were involved and medical officials and stuff like that, so he got to see them, but he was not allowed to republish them or show them to, in his documentary, because they were children at the time. Uh And even though they're kind of grown, they should all be adults now, but they don't want to be involved in the story. Uh So we don't have pictures and videos of them doing whatever it was that they were doing, but we do have witness testimony, we have accounts, we have reports written by medical officials, doctors, nurses, uh, DCS agents, mm-hmm. police reports, 
there are hundreds of people that wrote reports on this case and were basically like, we have no idea what's going on. Oh my goodness. Like, something is going on here, but we don't know what it is. Like, we don't know what's going on, but, like, we're documenting what we saw. And the crazy thing to me is that if you have a doctor who literally writes in his medical notes of, like, I'm sorry, I just saw this kid walk up backwards up my wall in my office, he could lose his license over that. Like, that's not something that you put in a medical report mm-hmm. unless, like, you firmly believe that it was true. And, of course, it's not just one person saying this. There are multiple people that were that witnessed these events that are all writing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes people believe that it is true. But and then, of course, you've got skeptics, but then there's other members of the family that are saying, no, this stuff didn't happen, or they were only in it to try to get, like, money out of it. But at the same time, the mother involved didn't want to be involved. Mm-hmm. She told her story. That was that. When ZB came in to do his documentary, she didn't want anything to do about it. Supposedly, it's because they got, like, a movie deal. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they were specifically only talking to those people. But it's been years. And we haven't seen a single thing come out of that except for the documentary that ZB filmed. So, as of re- recent history, this is the most documented case. And we're talking thousands or over a thousand pages of documents about this specific case and it's in 2011 hmm. so 20 years ago i think no 10 oh 11. my god 11 11 oh we're in 2022 mm-hmm. no like <laughs> when you said 10 i was gonna give it to you but when you said i was like it's like but you know it's 11 it is it's, okay so it's 11 years ago i was listening to something else where i thought they said it was 20 but maybe it was a different case it's okay. Last time I checked, we're not in 2032. It's okay. Or 2031, technically. Because, um, yeah, nah. Okay, well, anyways, we're just going to move past. Well, everybody knows. Everybody here knows I can't do math. So this should not come up as a surprise to you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, so Latoya Ammons moved into the house in November of 2011. What's that face for? Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> Nope. Keep going. <laughs> um, Latoya Emmons moved into the house in November of 2011 with her mother, Rosa Campbell, and her three kids. Uh, so, as I said before, their names were never published per Latoya's wishes, but we do know that they were 12, 9, and 7, and respectively, there was a girl and two boys. So, the girl was the oldest, and then the boys were the younger children. Uh, a month after moving in, Latoya said that they just were experiencing, like, random streaks of really bad luck. Like, just stuff that didn't normally happen to them was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, things were going missing inside the home, but they were just blaming each other. And then they would reappear, and they'd be like, oh, you said you didn't touch that. Like, why is it there? You know? That kind of stuff. I mean, that happens with me and my sisters all the time, and we're grown adults and we love each other, you know? Um, I say grown adults. Maddie is barely an adult, but I do love her. I'm I'm glad you took that from me, cause I was I was locked and loaded to go all <laughs> over that one. It was like it's like we're adults. It's like I'm not. She that. turns nineteen next month. Okay. Barely grown adult, but an adult nonetheless. We love her. That's all we gotta say. And she is a young adult. Emphasis on the young. A lot less on the adult part. It's okay. She, uh, I can argue that she's a lot more adult than one of my other sisters. I'm not gonna disagree. <laughs> we 
just gonna move on because Maddie's gonna come through this podcast and punch you in the face. Look, look, she's she's been like barking it up for a while now, but you know, like it's just it's just something younger siblings do. Yeah. Okay. But so at first they were just having those kinds of things. You know, they never in a million years thought that it could be anything supernatural or paranormal. No one ever does. Yeah. And then a month after moving in, so in December of that year, now I want to remind you that we're in Gary, Indiana. So we're in the north. Yeah, it's very cold. Very cold. Uh, Rosa claimed to have killed swarms and swarms of black houseflies on the screened-in porch, or inside the screened-in porch. And she said that no matter how many times she killed them or how many that she killed, they would come back in swarms. And it's December. And it's December. Now, there was a podcast that I listened to. Um, let me find the name of it really quick. Because I had actually never heard of them until I found their episode on this case. Um, I want to say it's United States of Murder, Season 1, Episode 41. But honestly, it could have been Cruel and Unusual. I don't remember which one. I'm so sorry if you guys uh, end up listening to this. Um... But I listen to you guys now because I discovered you through this this case, and you guys are awesome. All of you are awesome. Um, but one of them made a comment that they kind of went off on a tangent, and they were like, "Okay, well, flies are known to lay eggs in like warmer areas. So even though it was December, the eggs could still hatch, even though it was cold. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, how long does it take them to like grow up and lay more eggs?" You know, so, like, can they continue to have a cycle within the screened-in porch? And so she kind of went down that rabbit hole. I didn't continue along the lines of that rabbit hole, but scientifically speaking, the flies can lay eggs in the winter or in the fall, and then the larvae can hatch all winter long. Mm-hmm. So there, there is... A plausible explanation for this. Well, it's more it's, of a plausible of how they, like, the first wave kind of kept coming. Yeah, yeah. How the first wave got there. Mm-hmm. But they kept coming back. And that's where, that's where like, the rabbit hole's like, all right, hold on, hold on now. Like, we'll give you the beginning because that, that actually makes sense. But the fact that they kept coming, we, we need a little bit more than just that because, obviously, the larvae that just hatched aren't already laying eggs. Yeah. And so that's kind of where they were like, we don't really know what the lifespan of of hor, hor, uh, some some uh, articles said houseflies, some said horseflies. I don't know the difference between the two, but I also don't well, know. I mean, which the horsefly bites you, but that's about it. Oh. Okay, well, I don't know which one is more common in Gary, Indiana. So I don't know, but I don't know the lifespan, and I don't know. Ah, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say that's how the they went. There were the two hundred demons. <laughs> 200 flies that just kept coming back. Yes. That actually is possible because one of the demons is the Lord of the Flies. Yep, see, look. Look, see, we cracked it already. No, I'm yep. joking. We-, <laughs> we, we did case closed. <laughs> um, okay, so Rosa said that the flies just kept coming back even mm-hmm. though it was December. Um, but then both Latoya and Rosa began to hear heavy footsteps coming up the basement stairs at night. And it always they would always hear them after midnight. So if they went to bed before midnight, they wouldn't hear the footsteps on the basement stairs until after midnight. And then they would hear the creaking of the basement door between the basement and the kitchen 
open, but I don't think they ever heard it close. And they would find it open. Like, they would get up to check, and they would find the basement door open, and then they would see, like, muddy or wet footprints coming out of the basement. And so they would check the house to make sure there wasn't, because I would think there's somebody in the house, but they would never find anybody. After, like, the sec, there's no after the second time. After the second, I mean, basically, I mean, it's not the third time. After the second time, I'll be like, all right. First time, maybe I missed something. That's why I'm checking the second time. The second time, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. <laughs> Especially when it's like, you know, because at that point, I might be tempted to like, I hear the footsteps. All at that point, all you gotta do is sit there and wait. And if you're sitting there and the door opens and you don't see anything, you know it's time to go. True. Because at that point, you're like, oh, hold. You might say some explicits, but you're like, hey, grab the kids. We're going. I'm already leaving, so you gotta grab the kids. <laughs> I'm already out the door. I'll meet you outside. Because if I feel like if I go back in there, I'm going to see something I don't need to see. You haven't seen it yet, so you have a chance. Okay. Um, Realistically speaking, I would definitely get my kids out first. Don't, don't think I'm a horrible person. It's just for the sake of the, for the, sake of the situation. Okay. Well, this next part's really going to get your goat then. Um, so Rosa, and Rosa's the, the grandmother. Mm-hmm. For the, she's, she's Latoya's mother, mother, so she's the kid's grandmother. She's um, Latoya for what do you mean where'd she get Latoya from? No, I'm going to say because it's Rosa and then Latoya. Yeah. I need some connection there. I, never mind. I think about what I thought about name my kid. There's no connection there. Anyway, continue. Yeah, continue. I was say, um, uh, was I? Oh, yes. So Rosa claimed to see someone pacing in the living room from her room. I sleep with my door closed for that specific reason. Same. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be able to see anywhere outside of my room when I'm sleeping. Um, but yeah, so she claimed to see someone pacing in the living room from where she was sleeping. So I guess like her bed was positioned where like she could see through her door and into the living room and possibly into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure. Uh, so she would see someone pacing in the living room and when she would get up to chase after it. I'm staying number one. (laughs) She wouldn't find anybody. All the doors and windows were still locked, and she would find more footprints in the kitchen or in the living room, but they wouldn't start from anywhere specific. Like, sometimes they started from the middle of the room and, like, went to the basement door, and then sometimes they were just, like, random footprints on the floor, but they were always wet. I, Based off the fact, she's like, yes, yeah, she's like, she could see someone just pacing... Because that's one of my fears. That's the reason I usually, for the most part, I'm already paranoid. Like, if I'm in the living room and I'm, like, sleeping there, it doesn't, bo- it doesn't bother me as much because I'm there. But if I'm, like, in my room, I let my door close because I don't want to, like, peer open and, like, see something happening in the other room. I'm like, all right, I locked everything. I'm not going to go check that. I'm going to just be sleep, quote, unquote, and just hope I'm just seeing things. Because my biggest fear is, like, it's like I'm sleeping or I feel like something's moving in the other room. And then all of a sudden it comes in my room and I'm going to be like, all right, I got two moves to make. Try to get out the room, but it's in the only way I can get out the room or two place. And like, I just hope the guy that doesn't see that I'm awake, <laughs> which at that point, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big guessing game. Yeah. I mean, aside from the footsteps on the stairs and like never finding anybody in the house and like the footprints, like none of everything happening would just make me feel like there's an intruder. Exactly. But so I would have called. I would have already called the cops several times and been like, "There's somebody in my house," but they didn't call the cops until much later. Um, my main issue is like the fact you said like 
sometimes it felt like the uh, the steps would start in the middle of the room. Yeah, it's like someone just like came down from the ceiling and like plopped down Throughout into the, the middle floor. of the room. Yes, but it was just sitting there. It's like it's just one thing that's so weird to me because like it's like because normally like all right everything started from the basement, then got to everywhere else. Now it's like now stuff starting everywhere else and going to the basement. Yeah, like it was both. So like. At some point, you realize, all right, there's some connection going on to the basement. It's the green carpet. But if you go, like, at some point, you're just like, all right, maybe stay and look at, someone stay up and look at, I mean, stay watch, or, you know, you just leave. But, um, to me, that, that the, the second part would have weirded me out more than the first part, because it's like, all right, something came from the basement. It's just like, all right, maybe, or maybe something happened. I missed it, but it's like, they said they checked and there was no one there. There's only so many, excuse me, there's only so many times you can check your own house and not find anybody before you like some, some, some suspicion got to creep in where it's just like, um, something's happening here and I'm not seeing it figuratively and literally. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, what, how do you approach that situation? But well, I mean, they didn't know either. Yeah. And so that, that kind of caused some more issues later on down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did say that they kept finding that the basement door was open. Mm-hmm. Um, they never really heard it close. They would just hear it creak open at night, and then they would find it open in the morning, um, even if they closed it before they went to bed. So they started locking. So they put a lock on the door, and they started locking the basement door. But instead of hearing the door open at night, after they would hear the footsteps come up the basement stairs, they would just hear banging on the door as if something was trying to get out. And it wasn't just, like, knocking. They, they said that it was, like, banging on the door angrily and aggressively that's when i'd be like all right we can leave now no i'd be like hey get the kids it's like what are you doing and you see me like you see me with the gasoline t- nothing it's like just started trailing it's like hey he's in there they'll find the house later <laughs> um okay so um i think between like February and March is when things really started to escalate. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a death in the family, and so Latoya and her kids and her mom were up later than normal, mm-hmm. and they had a small group of friends over uh, to to mourn with them mm-hmm. at the house. And I think the kids had actually gone to bed, and they were either in Rosa's room or they were in the basement bedroom. I'm not quite sure. They were in one of the bedrooms, but it mm-hmm. wasn't Latoya's room. Because there's only two bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And there's three kids and two adults. So I feel like somebody was making use of that basement bedroom. I just, I have no confirmation of where people were sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so around, so while they had all these these friends over, or all I say all of these, they had a couple of those friends over and they were mourning. And at one point, the 12-year-old daughter was violently pulled off the couch in front of everybody. So they're just sitting in the living room. And... The 12-year-old was pulled off the couch by nothing. And then a little while later, the youngest son was thrown into the freezer by an unknown force in front of other people. That was not just Latoya and her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, then around 2.30 a.m., Latoya had gone to check in on her daughter and I think one of the friend's kids that, that were asleep in Rose's room. Mm-hmm. And... She had gotten out because she heard someone saying, Mama, Mama. And she goes into the room to check, and her 12-year-old daughter is levitating off the bed. Excuse me? Yep. Oh. 
All right, then. <laughs> so according to the other guests that were present, to so the friends that were there, everybody in the house, the kids, the adults, uh, they circled around the 12-year-old, and they all had ha- held hands, and they prayed until she kind of came back down on the bed. <laughs> um, and when she woke up, she had no memory of levitating. And in one of those other podcasts that I listened to, one of the girls was like, well, I never remember when I levitate. And the other girl that was telling the story was just kind of like breezed over it and just accepted the fact. It was just really funny because she was like, well, I don't ever remember when I levitate. So that tracks. Um, But I guess like if you levitate when you're asleep, like you wouldn't remember because you're asleep. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's weird. But uh, there were other people besides just the family that said that, you know, she levitated. Um... And after that instance, the children started to become more affected by whatever by whatever was going on here. Um, Rosa said that the children would have episodes of rage. Their eyes would bulge and become red and bloodshot. They would be very, very aggressive to each other and speak in deep, demonic voices. And it was mainly to each other. Like, it wasn't like they were being aggressive towards LaToya and Rosa. They were being more aggressive to each other. And later on in Zach Baggins, uh, in his documentary, uh, or Zach Baggins, I'm sorry, his documentary, there's another family member that's kind of describing an incident that happened when the children were staying with him. And they were explicitly like, are you ready to go, brother? Let's go. Like... They were talking to each other. They weren't being aggressive to other people who were not possessed. They were being aggressive to each other. So it's like each boy had a different demon in them or whatever, mm-hmm. or each child had a specific demon in them, and they were all just, like, mad at each other. So this is very different from other possessions that I've, like, read about and researched and listened to, and so it was just, it was just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the youngest son would sit in the closet and have full conversations with an entity that nobody else could see. He named this entity Trey, and Trey would try to convince him to do bad things. The older boy started to describe what it felt like to murder someone to his mom and his grandma. Uh, some sources also say he described what it felt like to be murdered and not to murder someone. Mm-hmm. But I included both because I don't know which one it is. Uh, either way, that's still creepy AF. Mm-hmm. The little boy sitting in the closet, I feel like that's just normal like kid stuff, talking yep. to an imaginary friend. And if yep. he wants attention, he's going to say it's like telling me to do bad things, but whatever. Um... To me, that's not the worst thing that's happening right now. (laughs) But sometimes they would be so scared to sleep in the house that they would pack up and spend the night at a hotel or at a family member's house when they could. Um, And there was one instance when they were fleeing the house, um, and one of the boys was literally thrown off the porch. Like, as they're, like, trying to, like, run out to the car, and he's, like, thrown off the porch. Um... So, usually they would stay, I think, with Latoya's brother if they couldn't stay in a hotel. And the brother was telling uh, Baggins that um, when they were staying at his house, the two boys started to attack each other. And they were cursing at each other in, like, really deep demonic voices that were not their voices. Um, And it took both Rosa and the brother to separate them. And they put the older boy, I think, in the in LaToya's brother's car, and he kept, like, 
screaming. Like, he was screaming. They were both screaming and cursing and, like, saying really bad words to each other and calling him really bad names. But when they got the older son into the car, he just kept, like, slamming himself into the back seat. Like, they put him in the back seat and he just kept slamming, like, his head into the back of the seat. Um, and they said that that went on for several minutes. Um, and the younger brother, who the grandmother was trying to restrain, was just, like, scratching at her, trying to get away. Because he was trying to attack the other brother. And apparently the 12-year-old daughter was also doing weird stuff during this time. But, like, they were mostly focused on what was going on with the brothers. So, like, we don't know what she was doing. Mm. But Latoya's brother did say that he did experience his 12-year-old niece do some weird stuff. So. Um, Rosa finally said, enough is enough. We need some help. And this part is the part that really gets my goat. Because whether or not you believe in this, they had no help. Like, and we're about to get... So, what do you do in this situation? If you're a religious family, and you've got all of this weird stuff going on, what's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to get a priest, anyway. Well, yeah, that's what you would think to do. Mm-hmm. Is you're like, listen, I don't know if it's just bad energy, I don't know if it's a spirit, or if it's a demon, or... You know, maybe it's my kids and they're really upset, but, like, you want somebody who's going to help comfort you and bring Mm -hmm. you comfort and peace. And so a lot of people who are very religious, and Latoya and her mom were very religious, they start contacting, because they just moved to the area. Mm -hmm. So they start contacting churches in the area looking for help. And they reached out to numerous churches, but no one wanted to help them, either because they didn't believe them or because they weren't members of the church. There are children involved. To me, it wouldn't matter if you were a member of my church. I would still try to help you. How very Christian of them. They could have been... Never mind. Oh, you know, you're right. (laughs) That part's the part that made me mad. It would have been different. It's like one of those things like, hey, I tried this before. I know that house is wild over there. I... mm -mm. It wasn't even like, we can't help you because we've already, like, tried to deal with that house and we can't help you. You need to leave. Yeah, but I'm saying if it was been, it's different if it one of those instances. But it wasn't. They were just no, no. like, no. you don't belong to our church, so we have no obligation to help you. And it's like, what? That That is not how that is supposed to work. Get the pitch for us, Rudy. <clears throat> Anyways, we're just going to keep going. Um, but finally, they did speak. So the very last church that they spoke, uh, that they reached out to, did give them some advice. They didn't offer to come help them, Mm -hmm. but they basically were like, here's what you do. So we want you to, you're going to clean your house with bleach and ammonia. Clean your house with bleach and ammonia and then use oil to draw crosses over all the doors and windows and then wash your children's hands and feet with olive oil and then anoint their foreheads. Do you, do you have any issues with that statement? Yeah. Do you want to tell me what your issues are? No. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, this is yours. I want to, this is your, this is your moment. Okay. One. You can't just go to Walmart and buy generic brand olive oil and start anointing people with that. But, because I wanted to be correct, I went to Google. Because I was like, one, why olive oil? 
Like, that was so specific. Why olive oil? But two, don't, doesn't it need to be blessed to be effective? Like, you don't just go pour water out of your kitchen tap and start throwing it around your house going, the power of Christ compels you. It's like, it has to be blessed. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, I had so many issues with this. But I was curious. So I went down my own rabbit hole. And um, Google told me. Oh, well, I should probably start. I was raised Baptist. I don't know anything. I mean, I know some things, you know, about, like, Catholicism. And Thea was raised Catholic. So I asked her about it. And she was like, uh, we didn't use oil. Like, they were always anointed with, with, with water, with holy water. So that's weird to me. But also, like, the priest didn't bless the oil for her. And I was like, no, no, it doesn't look like they did. Um, but I was more curious about why olive oil. And so according to Google, in ancient times, oil pressed from olives was the cleanest and clearest oil. So it was considered the purest oil of the time and therefore appropriate for use within the church after being blessed. After being blessed. It had to be consecrated. Mm-hmm. Okay. I also Googled, do priests use consecrated oil for baptisms and anointing? And uh, it, yes, they do. Most of, most of the time they use holy water that's blessed by the Pope or a bishop or, you know, another higher authority within the church. Mm-hmm. But even if they use oil, it's a specific blend, a very pure br- blend, but it's also blessed. So yes, it needed to be blessed. Did this church offer to bless it for her? No, they didn't. So I am not surprised by what happens next. Oh, well, there we go. Okay. But before we move into that, I also want to mention that Rosa and Latoya did reach out to clairvoyants. I'm not going to call them clairvoyants. I'm going to call them psychics. Because they're kooks. Okay. The word clairvoyant... It insinuates that the person claiming to be a clairvoyant can literally see into the future or perceive things beyond a normal sensory contact. Okay, so these quote-unquote clairvoyants did not come to LaToya's house. They talked to them on the phone, basically told her that her house is full of 200 demons and she needed to move. Mm-hmm. As a renter myself, you can't just up and move. Like, that's that's... There's reletting fees. <laughs> Yuna's running around the kitchen. I'm sorry if she pooped somewhere. It's okay. It's okay. What is it? Yeah, we're talking about you. Um, so as a renter myself, you can't just up and move. But, so since she couldn't move, the psychics which is what I'm calling them, they told her to set up a religious altar in the basement, smudge her house with sage, which, okay, not too bad. Mm-hmm. I smudged my new apartment to get rid of bad vibes and reset the, like, stagnant smell of the, ba- of the you know, from when it doesn't didn't have electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I could get. But then they told her to burn sulfur in every room. What? Yeah, this, this part doesn't track for me because... <sighs> Demon, when there's a demon infestation, don't you smell so sulfur? Mm-hmm. That was like the 
That was like in one of the first cup of well, not first, like yeah, like a sulfurous smell is mm-hmm. is a sign of a demon infestation mm-hmm. or a demon presence. Mm-hmm. So if you're burning sulfur in every room, like wouldn't that just attract them? I don't. Um, I, I really hope so. that's your aunt's TV. I think that's I think that's our phone. Oh, okay. Because um, if the TV's cut back on, we have a problem. <laughs> I'm like, that's when you say, you see a little stop button right there? That's what we're going to do. <laughs> we'll pick this up later. Yeah. Um, no, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they told her to burn sulfur in every room while reading from the Bible and to start from the top floor and work her way down into the basement. Which again, I'm like, wouldn't you want to move them out of the house? Mm-hmm. But instead, she was, like, trapping them in the basement where this, like, religious altar was set up. And I'm just kind of like, "Mm, maybe don't do that. But, anyways. But, so she did what the church told her to do. And she did what these psychics told her to do. And it was peaceful for three days. And, for lack of a better term, all hell broke loose. So for three days of peace, things got way worse. Yep. So, after their three days of peace, the children began to exhibit more symptoms of a possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ammons herself started to experience symptoms of quote unquote demonic possession. Um, the youngest son was thrown out of the bathroom. Violently, the twelve the twelve year old girl said that she always felt like she was being choked um, when she was asleep. Like so, she would wake up and she felt like she was being choked and uh, she couldn't move or speak. But then after her mom did the like cleansing of the house and all the stuff that the people told her to do, the twelve year old then said that it was not just when she was asleep. Like she would be awake. So the twelve year old then said after you know, LaToya cleaned the house and stuff like that and did all the things that the psychics and the church told her to do that it didn't just happen when she was asleep anymore. Now it was happening during the day or when she was awake. Um, One day, the 12-year-old was attacked by an unseen force and was thrown into a headboard. What? And the headboard broke in half and the 12-year-old had to have uh, stitches. Um... So desperate for just any type of help because obviously the church and the psychics didn't. What are you eating? Give her any. She has treats out. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I just like well, she, she went from here and just started eating. So I don't know. Um. So then Latoya takes her kids to the family doctor because mm-hmm. she's like, somebody needs to help me. I need some sort of help. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the doctor actually came to her house. Instead of her taking it, taking them into his office. Yeah. Um, but his name was Dr. Ani... Onyeku? So we're just going to call him Doctor. Because I can't pronounce his, his name. Here we um, go. Here we go with these names again. <laughs> but according to the family and the medical staff, both of Latoya's sons cursed the doctor in deep demonic voices... The younger boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with no one touching him. And according to a DCS report of the incident, um, both of the boys passed out. 
And LaToya and Rosa were trying to, like, wake them up, and they couldn't. So 911 was called. And that's when they went to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so DCS called in a caseworker to Mm -hmm. take over uh, the case. And, um, but, like, even the family doctor and, like, the nurses that came, or the nurse that came, like, they couldn't figure out what was going on. Like, they watched this boy get, like, thrown into the wall. Mm -hmm. Like, lifted up and thrown into the wall. Um, But... One of the people that was with the doctor or came to the house that day did ask DCS to do an investigation because they felt like maybe the kids were performing for LaToya, like mm-hmm. pretending to be possessed. Um, so they removed LaToya from the kid. Like, they wouldn't let her visit the kids, mm-hmm. I guess, like when the kids were being interviewed. And um, on the op- just on the off chance that LaToya could be encouraging the behavior. Mm-hmm. But the boys, uh, they were taken to the hospital, and the 9-year-old was fine. But the 7-year-old, when he woke up, he began to thrash around, and it took five men to hold him down. Excuse me? He's seven. So, that should have been their green light. Yeah, but it wasn't. So, the DCS investigator interviewed the youngest boy in the hospital after he stopped thrashing around, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would growl and bare his teeth at her. Um, and then his eyes rolled into the back of his head and he tried to choke his older brother. So like he just attacked his older brother again. Um, and the medical staff had to pry his hands off of his brother. Um, And then later that day, during another interview, the seven-year-old started growling at his brother and at one point said, it's time to die, I will kill you, in that really deep, demonic voice. Um, And this is, there's so many different accounts of, like, or not accounts, the timeline of events is a little construed with these documents because I don't have access to the actual documents. I can only look at, like, the the articles that were written. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially what happened is, the boys passed out at the home with the family doctor. They were taken in to the hospital. When the seven-year-old woke up, he was thrashing around, and it took five men to hold him down. And then the DCS investigator that came in, which is Department of Child Services, mm-hmm. um, she interviewed the seven-year-old by himself, and he was growling and baring his teeth at her. Mm-hmm. But then she kind of, like, left and came back later, thinking mm-hmm. maybe he was just being dramatic or something. And interviewed them again, but his older brother was there. And Rosa, the grandmother, was with them mm-hmm. that set, during that second interview. And that's when he, the younger son threatened the older brother, tried to choke him. It took medical staff to pry his hands away from him. And the grandma, so Rosa, was holding the older son mm-hmm. and <clears throat> who was trying to headbutt the younger son. Like, there's just a lot going on here. Um, but they wouldn't let LaToya near the boys. Mm -hmm. And this is when one of the boys, because during when Rosa and was in there with the two boys, when they were kind of trying to attack each other, that's when one of the boys literally walked, like, so Rosa had taken their hands Mm -hmm. and was starting to pray. And... Some reports said it was the seven-year-old. Some said it was the nine-year-old. I'm not quite sure which one. But one of the sons walked backwards up the wall 
to the ceiling. So think face down. He's walking up the wall to the ceiling. When he got to the ceiling, he flipped over his grandmother and landed on the floor. And the entire time he had this like sickly sweet grin on his face. And he was holding his grandmother's hand the whole time. And it was not just her in this room. There was a male nurse and the DCS investigator. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, WTF. Um, his feet. He'd been holding. Okay, so then the next day, DCS basically were like, this is an emergency, and took Latoya's children from her. Mostly out of a precaution, because even mm-hmm. though they did have, because while the kids were in the hospital, or while the boys were in the hospital, they were evaluated by a psychologist, and Latoya was evaluated by a psychologist. Latoya was found to be sound of mind. Mm-hmm. She was not psychotic. She was not having any type of personality disorders or exhibiting any types of signs of a mental illness, and the boys were determined to also be fine. They couldn't find any signs of mental illness. With them or the 12-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. But DCS is like, we don't know what's going on here. And all of the children were checked for signs of abuse. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't find any. Like, other than the stitches that that, that the 12-year-old had to have, there there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. But the state didn't know what to do. So they seized the kids. And we're basically like, we're just going to remove your children from you because we don't know what else to do. And LaToya and Rosa had left the house and were staying with LaToya's brother, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they went back to the house with the caseworker and some police Mm -hmm. to either get clothing or just so the DCS worker could, you know, like evaluate the state of the home. And this is when some crazy stuff happened. Um... So the DCS worker goes into the house and and I think the DCS worker that was at the hospital quit. Mm-hmm. And so another DCS worker had gone to the house to evaluate the home. And they had asked uh, some police to escort them and the priest. Um, so there was the chaplain at the church who also evaluated the children. And he had contacted a priest outside of the church chapel to come and basically do an exorcism on the children and so i don't really know what happened in between then but i do know that the priest went to the house with latoya rosa the dcs worker and the police okay so the priest that the hospital chaplain had called his name was uh uh magino so uh his name reverend michael magino Um, And he was the priest at St. Stephen Martyr Parish in Maryville, Indiana. And the first step for him was to to rule out any natural causes for what Ammons and the family were experiencing. experiencing. So that's why he went to the house Mm -hmm. with the DCS worker and the police and then Ammons and Campbell. Um, I think he had interviewed them before this and Ammons kind of like detailed the phenomena and so maybe he had interviewed them at the house. Yeah, so he got, had gone to the house and he sat and he interviewed th- with them. And while they were doing the interview, 
the like lights started to flicker mm-hmm. and he kept like and he pointed it out and the flickering he said stopped each time that Magno got up to walk over and figure out what was making the light flicker and so he attributed that to a demonic presence um he told uh the star newspaper that it must have been scared of him <laughs> And that's why it would stop flickering every time he went over to it. But whatever. And I think it was a light in the bathroom. But anyway, so after his interview, Maginot said that he was convinced the family was being tormented by demons. Uh, He also believed that there were ghosts in the house. Because I told you at the beginning there were, we do know there were two ghosts. Um, And I think at one point the uh, psychics that they had talked to had said that there was a mother and a son spirit in the house. And we do, or... Uh, Zach Baggins does find out later that there was a murder of a mother and a son on the on the street, the same street, like in the area of the house. Yes. And so since the the younger boy had you know been talking to a little boy ghost in the closet, they're like, oh, that's who that is, essentially. Mm-hmm. But we can't be for sure. But whatever. Um. So the priest believes that there were demons in the house plus two ghosts. Um. So. It was after this interview at the house Mm. when the DCS family case manager went to check on the condition of the home, and that's when she had the police with her. So the priest also came with them at that point, too, but I guess this interview had happened first. Um, There were two other officers, one um, each, so one was from Gary and one was from the Hammond Police Departments, and I think the DCS officer just asked them to join out of like professional courtesy Mm -hmm. but also i think she might have been scared after like hearing about what happened to those boys in the hospital (laughs) please don't make me go by myself i mean it makes no sense but then like at some point it's like yeah yeah it's like what am i gonna do um so i have a photo to show you oh god And so Austin is now, so there's an officer and he is now captain of the Gary police. I don't know if he was captain at the time, but I know he is captain now or was at the time that Zach Bacons was filming his documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was taking pictures with his phone for when they were walking. So he also took a video. So that's the video that Zach was shown was the video that this police officer had taken, mm-hmm. but they were also snapping photos. And so this is a, the picture that the chief of police claimed to um, have snapped on his cell phone. Um, there's some, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, so according to... The chief of police, or the chief of the Gary police, he said that when he reviewed the photo later, he saw this anomaly in the photo, and it looks like an old lady in the window of the screened-in porch, and her hands kind of, like, up against the window. Um, So that's, like, the famous uh, House of 200 Demons ghost photo. Mm -hmm. You can just Google that on Google. Um, Zach does seem to think that this was created by an app, but the... Austin chief of police or Austin the chief chief of the Gary police believes that it was real because he says he took it with a cell phone. Um, 
But there are there also, I guess, are others that weren't released because he said that he kept snapping photos with his with his phone, and he would have they would have strange silhouettes in them. And then when he left the house that day, the radio in his police car kept malfunctioning on the way home. So like he was on the phone, and then like his police radio kept coming on and like saying like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the documentary, I think he um said that one of the voices that came through on his police scanner was like, get out of there! Like, really loud. And he was like, I was driving. (laughs) So, that could have ended very badly. Um, Austin also said that the driver's seat in his uh, personal car uh, had started to move backward and forward on its own. So, like, the actual seat itself was, like, moving Mm -hmm. on its own. Like, he would get in and it would be further up. And then, like, he'd fix it and then he'd get out and then get back in it and it would be like pushed all the way back or like sometimes it would move while driving and he took it to a shop to be like is my seat broken and they couldn't find a reason for it to 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 move on its own like Mm -hmm. that um so austin claims that before all this he didn't really believe in demons or ghosts but because of his experiences in the home he kind of can't deny yes that they're real now um so, DCS temporarily housed the two older children at St. Joseph Carmelite Home in East Chicago, and then the youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for a psychiatric evaluation because he's the one that was, like, growling mm-hmm. at people in the hospital. Not the one that walked backwards up the wall, apparently, because supposedly that was the nine-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Um But the clinical psychologist on staff did say that the boy tended to act possessed whenever he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions that he didn't want to answer. But in her evaluation, she wrote that he seemed coherent and logical uh, every other time. So she kind of seemed to think that it could be a defense mechanism, but he didn't have any other symptoms of mental illness. You know, like, it was just kind of like he would act possessed if he was didn't want to talk to you about something. Yes. Um, but she did say that the now eight-year-old, because he had had a birthday, uh, did not suffer from any true psychotic disorder. Okay. And then the clinical psychologist that evaluated the two older children came to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, everybody was cleared from any psychotic or mental illnesses that would create the illusion of a possession. Yes. Because, you know, a lot of possessions from history are just mental illnesses that went undiagnosed or hysterical women supposedly but when campbell ammons austin and two other police officers uh that were there during the initial visit with the priest um they went back uh in may so they they hadn't gone back to the home between march and may they didn't go back so -hmm. they went back in may and uh, imagino showed up again jackson's barking again um a county officer also showed up with his uh police dog and this is the visit where i where it was a different dcs manager Mm -hmm. and this is the or different dcs investigator sorry and so there was a county officer that brought his dog but the dog didn't show interest in any particular areas there was no signs of drugs on the property or Mm -hmm. anything like that or in the home um he didn't indicate to any dead bodies or any remains or anything like that um they did find some strange liquid dripping from a window in the basement or just dripping from the basement ceiling. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the DC, the new DCS investigator had touched it. And she said when she touched it, it was like slippery yet sticky. 
Um, and so the priest blessed some salt, which he said was supposed to be a barrier to evil, and he spread it underneath the stairs and throughout the basement. And the two police officers, you know, cleaned up the oil or the sticky substance that they found on the wall, and they couldn't find a source from it, so they cleaned it up, and then they closed the door. And they put a Q-tip in the door to, like, make sure nobody else went in, because they were thinking that maybe, like, Rosa or Ammons had planted it Mm -hmm. or, like, caused it to drip somehow. So they were, like, trying to rule that out. Well, they went back down later, and it was there again. And they couldn't figure out where it was coming from, but no one had got, like, the, the Q-tip in the door was still there. Mm-hmm. And um, Ammons and Campbell, so LaToya and Rosa had been with the priest the entire time. Mm-hmm. So they, they found that strange substance, and the DCS officer that had touched it started to c- complain that her entire hand was burning. Mm-hmm. And it, like, swelled up. And uh, I believe she had to leave. Yeah, so... Apparently, that oil or whatever that substance was was, like, also dripping from some blinds. And the DCS investigator who touched it said that, like, her her fingers started to burn and then they went numb and then her whole arm started to hurt and she ended up having to leave. And so this is when Maginot wrote a detailed report about his findings and he asked the bishop uh, permission to perform an exorcism on Ammons. And so there was actually a series of exorcisms performed on LaToya mm-hmm. um, because at first the bishop was like, just do a little one. Like, I don't know that it needs like a big one mm-hmm. because I don't think they'd ever done a real exorcism before in the area. So like the bishop didn't know what to do. Um, so initially the bishop denied Maginot's request to do like a church sanctioned exorcism. Mm-hmm. So Maginot contacted some other priests that had performed exorcisms and they came and they like they did like minor exorcisms and like rituals on the house that mm-hmm. didn't need the like Catholic Church's approval. Because you know an exorcism supposedly doesn't work unless you have the backing of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did like a really intense blessing uh, on the house to expel any bad spirits. And then he said that that same day he performed a minor exorcism on Ammons and during the exorcism, two police officers, the DCS family case manager, and um, Campbell were there. So the grand or her mother were there during this exorcism. Mm-hmm. And the DCS officer was like, this is weird. And she left believing that something was going on. Um, also, like her hand was all messed up from touching that oil. Yes. Um, but she said that she, it took them to, she tried to stay throughout the entire like two hour right. And she got chills, and LaToya was, like, convulsing, and she had, like, a headache, and it would get worse when uh, Maginot would, like, put a cross on her head, like, toward on her forehead or whatever. Um, But the DCS case manager said that it felt like someone was in the room with them, like someone else that you couldn't see was in the room. Like, she could see everybody that was in the room, but it felt like someone else was there. Or it felt like there were more people there than were actually there. Um, after the rite, when it, I guess it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so because this didn't work, the bishop finally gave Maginot permission to do an actual exorcism. And that ritual was the same as the, like, minor one. But it was more powerful because now they had the backing of the Catholic Church. Yes. So it took three major exorcisms, two in English, and the last one was in Latin, um, in June of... 2012 so it's been over a year now yeah well no because no. they moved in in 2011 in, in november 
So, so about a little over six months. Yeah, so it's been about six months. Um, but he performed the last one in his church, and it was that final exorcism at the end of June in 2012 that he knew that this was the one that cured. Oh, no, you can't eat that. What she have? That's a penny. Um, okay. So it was this last major exorcism in Latin that Magino finally felt like he got the demons to leave Ammons. And he firmly believed that it would be the last time that Magino would see Ammons again. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, she and her mother drove back to Indianapolis. Um, and apparently they're now living, well not apparently, they are living in Indianapolis now without fear. They have a new apartment. DCS basically told LaToya and Rosa that she could have her children back if she moved. So they were like, listen, we have no idea what's going on, but uh, you can't have your kids back until you leave that house. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, because like, I guess Ammons had like told her story to the news or something, mm-hmm. or like the news had gotten word that there had been an exorcism. And so the media gave the house its name and it became an object of like local curiosity but the landlord kept having to call the police department to ask officers to stop drive like i guess like there were so many people that were driving by and they were curious the cops had had like a bigger presence in that area mm-hmm. so they were constantly like driving by the house and the landlord had to be like can you please stop driving by my house you're scaring my tenants because i guess like people knew but they like were worried that the police were there because the police were scared and the police i guess just kept like driving by to make sure nobody was in the house or make sure nobody was trying to like break in that shouldn't be there but the landlord because of this couldn't rent out that house so it sat empty as it should have right um that's a that's a huge no-go right so now enter zach baggins Mm -hmm. okay so he buys the house and he reads that it's, you know, the house of 200 demons. And so he buys the house and he starts the process of making this documentary. Latoya and her children didn't want any part of it. The brother that did speak to Zach Bacon's basically got banned from her house because she was like, Zach has been inside the house and you've been with Zach. So there's no telling what Zach could have brought and it could now be attached to you. And I don't want that. So you can't come back in my house now. So basically her brother got like disowned for, for being a part of the documentary, even mm-hmm. for just a short bit. But there was another family that showed up to the house that used to live in that house. And the mother had showed up to the house when Zach and his film crew were there and she had lived there when she, in, in the eighties, when she was younger with her mother and her older brother and her older brother had the basement bedroom and they went inside the house with, uh, she went inside the house and she had her three children with her. I, it was two girls and one boy and they go inside the house with Zach and Zach's like listen like some crazy stuff's happened in here like you need to know like you need to sign these forms and like you can't go in here unless like you sign like a liability form and like I'm not responsible for things that happen and blah 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 well they go in and they're talking to the mother about you know when she lived there and she was like it was a normal house I mean I just didn't like the basement she's like I never came down here and then we find out that her brother who lived in that basement bedroom was shot and killed while he was living there. And then three weeks later, so after they visit this house with Zach, the oldest daughter 
of this lady who had come to visit and tell Zach about, you know, when she used to live there. And basically the only thing that happened was she just didn't like the basement. The basement mm-hmm. was always creepy to her. I think they had some issues with the door. Um, there was this thing with her brother. But then her, she and her daughter had gotten into a really big fight three weeks after visiting the house. Mm-hmm. And her daughter OD'd on medication and stabbed herself in the wrists. Like, didn't slit herself, like, didn't cut her wrists. She stabbed herself in the wrists with pens. She doesn't remember doing this. She doesn't remember visiting the house. So, Zach makes a big assumption and takes her to Magna, who does a minor exorcism on the daughter. And that's the end of that story. Now, there's one more thing that I want to tell you about. Look, it's getting... I, I don't understand. Like, I was, like, just sitting here and like, all right. Then she od and stabbed herself in the wrist, and I'm just like... Yeah. Like, that... It was a part of the documentary, but it was kind of a part that really didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Because there was people that were injured while making the documentary. There were people that were ill and were taken to the hospital. There were people that were so scared that they quit on site. And so there... He had a lot of issues bringing this documentary to, to fruition. But then you just have this random, like, girl who tried to commit suicide... And you're glorifying it. But he thinks it had something to do with the house, so he takes her back to specifically Maginot. But I think it was also so he could, like, interview Maginot about the situation. Anyways. But there was something else that every podcast that I listened to talked about, but, like, I didn't really read about it a lot in any of the articles that I read. Mm -hmm. But supposedly when one of the times that the police were there at the house... They had gone down into the basement, and the chief of police was there. The chief of Gary police was there, and he said that he went into the basement, and he noticed that the floor underneath the stairs was dirt, and the rest of the basement was concrete. And he thought that was strange. And Rosa kept saying that that's where the demons were coming from. So they decide to dig. And let me see if I can find the list of what they found. Okay, so... When, during, one of the times that the police went and they noticed that the the floor underneath the stairs was made of dirt and they saw the, the, the altar that LaToya had put up and there was like rings of salt and there were, there were like, uh, you know, uh, statues of like Jesus and, and, uh, the Bible was like laid out open to Psalms 91. Um, for whatever reason, they had brought a dog or not brought a dog. They had brought a dog to, to search for drugs. Um, but for whatever reason, they decided to dig under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what they found. Uh, the They dug five foot feet down into the dirt. And they found um, boys' socks with the ankles cut off at the ankle. Like the foot was cut off at the ankle to mm-hmm. make like leg warmers kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, they found a pink press-on fingernail. A pair of white women's panties. Uh, a heavy corroded iron weight. A broken plastic shoehorn. And, and a red like oval lid to a pot. So it's like a weird array of items that were found underneath the stairs. And some people think that that's weird. I also just think that those things could have ended up there any number of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't include that like 
in the like main stuff that happened because like I don't really think that it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also the bit where like Magino the priest had apparently told Latoya to like Google the names of the demons that were like in her house so that he could use the names during the exorcism apparently. And I'm like, but as a priest, wouldn't he know? And when she was Googling like demons associated with things that were happening in her house, she got names like Beelzebub, who is the Lord of the Flies and like other like really big name demons. And I'm not gonna say their names because I don't, this, I'm not in my house. So I'm just, we're just not gonna play that game. But there are a lot of things that happen with this case that I'm kind of like, that doesn't track. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem right to me. And there are just some things that the church did or that the priest did. And I'm like, did you do this because you were trying to help or did you do this because you wanted the publicity? But also what priest tells the person that they're trying to exercise to Google the name of their own demons? Like the demons that she apparently Googled, they were already in the Bible. And it they it already, like the Bible like tells you what they are mm-hmm. and what they do and what they're the demon of or what their position is in hell because there's like a whole hierarchy and stuff so there's a lot more that happened with the case i kind of just touched on the the major things that we know happened um but like i said the timeline of events is a little wonky because so many different podcasts and art and news journals and newspapers have covered it and it's never really in the same order um so i kind of went off the order that Zach Baggins presented in his documentary, which I did kind of get a little confused in, in towards the end there when it was like, okay, when did the DCS investigator, like, when did they switch? And when did that one touch the oil? And when did they bring the dog? Like, all I know is that these things happened. When they happened, on which visit, I'm not quite sure. Um, But when Zach was doing his documentary, he did talk to other members of LaToya's family, and a lot of them did say that they didn't think that any of this stuff was real. But then there are other members of the family or friends that, like, witnessed these things, and there are medical professionals that Zach Baggins was able to, like, get in touch with Mm -hmm. that definitely witnessed it, and they were like, no, 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 this this really happened. So I think because it did happen in 2011, and it was so recent— but there's no, like, video documentation of it that the public has access to. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so controversial. But at the same time, LaToya hasn't really gotten much out of this. Nope. Like, what did she get? A couple of news articles and she didn't get the money from the house when it was sold. The landlord bought that, got that money because Zach bought it from the landlord because the landlord couldn't rent it out. Because cops kept constantly driving by it. Um, when Zach was filming the documentary, one of the neighbors had called the police because somebody was trying to break into that house, but the cops that showed up wouldn't go in the house. They just stood on the sidewalk across the street and like literally didn't do anything. And Zach was like, yo, are you going to go save my house? And they were like, nah, man, we're going to stay over here. And he was kind of like, all right, cool. Like I'll go check and you know, but there were also squatters living in the house. And some of the squatters living in the house were like, we've never experienced anything here. But then Zach kind of mentions the fact that he thinks that, like, one of LaToya's boyfriends had cursed her. Because he apparently had, like, asked her for some personal items and he refused to be a part of the documentary. And a lot of LaToya's friends and family did say that he was, like, abusive in a way. Mm -hmm. But he's the only one that ever brought that up. Like, I never saw that mentioned anywhere else. But then Zach spends the night in the house by himself and has that weird thing with his eyes. 
that the doctors can't find a real cause for. And Zach is dramatic. We're not going to say that he's 100% true. You know, a lot of reality TV is scripted. Mm -hmm. And even though he has complete and total creative and artistic control over his brand, he makes a living off of this. So he's got to make it interesting somehow. But at the same time, there are just so many other things about this case that I'm just like, they're weird. And I don't, I don't like it. I don't like any of it. But this story also kind of fascinates me. But you can't visit it because Zach tore it down. Like, look, look, look. It needed to be torn down. Uh, I, I agree. Still, I still need to know what he did about the basement book. I don't know. It's an unanswered question that I'm glad I'm not the only one who, who keeps, like, thinking about. Like, it just, ugh, I don't, I don't know. I also feel like there was a different way to, to handle the house instead no. of, like, just kind of, like, bulldozing it. Well, I'm not saying it didn't need to be destroyed, but, like, should he have You're right, it? TNT, TNT. Well, you can't, you can't blow it up because there are other houses next to it. Yeah, but, no, I mean, you're right. You're right. We had to handle it. Wait, so they weren't bothered by the bulldozer? Oh, I don't know. All I know is that Zach was so terrified of the house, he bulldozed it, but he didn't film himself doing it. He just, like, tells you very dramatically that that's what he did. And, I mean, you can drive past it. Like, I have the address for this house. I did not give it. Because I don't want people driving by this house. So I'm not going to tell you where it is. Um, but, I mean, there has been a lot of... there. I mean, there's a house two doors down that has bullet holes in it from a drive-by. You know, like, there, there was death that's happened around the house. I just... Why was this house besieged by 200 demons? And in the articles and in the research and in every other podcast, we only come across two names... And the priest who did the exorcisms asked LaToya to Google them. Like, he didn't know. Because when you have an exorcism, they give their name. I think. Like, they say their name. Because you command them to say who they are. Yeah. And... So there's just a lot of things wrong with this story. So you can just believe what you want. But yeah. (laughs) And had it not been for your TV turning on by itself, I wouldn't be creeped out. Oh, um, so I did read articles on the Travel Channel, USA Today, and then I listened to episode 58 of And That's Why We Drink, and then episode 41 of season one of United States of Murder, and then episode 38 of Cruel and Unusual. Um, There's also the documentary called Demon House on Discovery Plus that was filmed by Zach Baggins, or Baggins. I call them Baggins. Uh, so there's plenty of resources out there, but they all pretty much say the same thing. And I did leave out stuff on purpose, mostly because this I didn't want this to turn into a three-hour podcast. We're almost at two hours, which is good for us. Yes. Um, but there's just so many things that about this case that I could rant about or that didn't make sense to me, so I left them out. Um or I couldn't confirm, or I I didn't know if they really did happen, or mm-hmm. if they were connected to... Because there were things that happened, like, I, there were so many break-ins, and there apparently was documented deaths after the, all of this went down on the property, and I didn't know if that had... I, I didn't want to assume that that had anything to do with what was going on here, so I just, I, I left them out. But if you have a curiosity, you can go and read about and research all of this yourself because it could be just a coincidence 
It could be a coincidence, and it probably is. Mm -hmm. But the thing that gets me is that you have medical professionals that are that have it in official medical reports that a child walked up backwards up a wall. You just, you just don't talk about it. Like kids are creepy, but that's a little. I'm just saying, if one of my uh, students started walking backwards up a wall, I'm like, all right, guys, if we all get out of here in one piece, I'm letting you know, you're all like, we're you're all gonna pass. We're never gonna come back to this room. <laughs> we'll be somewhere else. We're just gonna have class in the library from now on, and everybody gets an A. That's really how it goes. Except for the one walking up the wall. You, you guys stay here. You can have this room all to yourself. You'll still get an A. But you can't come to the library. Or leave this room. <laughs> so we can't even go home. If you walk up walk backwards, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Matter of fact, I like, and the, it was like, I mean, granted, I couldn't make them stay there. But it'd be like, all right, you know. I'd be like, let me go call your mom and a priest. Just the priest. Just the priest. Just the priest. Because... It's like, because I don't need mom to be horrified. It's like, my baby's finally walking up the wall backwards. Finally. Finally? <laughs> what? What kind of creepy rite of passage is this? Hey, yo. Hey. Hey. She said finally. That means the other one's doing it too. This is not a demonic version of turning red here. <laughs> I need you to calm down. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> If we're trying to drink my water, almost spat it everywhere. I had to, I had to calm, be calm, because that was that was not it. <laughs> you almost got me, but that was good. I'm very proud of myself. Thank you. What's the face you're making? I have no sense of humor. Normally, I don't make when I make jokes. They're not funny or they're really morbid. Like when I make a joke about jumping off of a roof, and everybody's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm over here like, "Yeah, I'm fine." So, the fact that I made you choke on your water is an achievement for me. There we go. Yeah. And then, like, the little thing pops in the corner. Achievement unlocked. Mm -hmm. Well, it is time for me to start my drive home. It is. Because I still have homework to do. And, and you have all your stuff that's going to make you not a very happy camper. Tomorrow, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. After class, so I still have to get up at 8 to go to class. And then, uh, but I still have to, like, do my homework before class when I get home and upload the mini episode in lieu of the full episode that was supposed to come out today, the day that we're recording. But somebody had adult stuff to do all week. Sounds like you. I'm not the one who was at a district track meet two days in a row. I, that, I wasn't there Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, but Monday or Tuesday, I had to stay late at work. Because we record on Thursdays a lot. We're Wednesdays a lot. Okay, look, look. All I'm saying is, Monday and Tuesday, you were adulting. Wednesday, Thursday, I was adulting. Mm, yeah, well, my plan is is to have a bunch of research done so we can record a bunch of episodes. That way, we, we're not scrambling to get one out every other week. Look, track season's done. We got the time. Okay. Well, you still have social media posts to make, so I, I don't do. forget about that. I, I know. Wait, I gotta do one for the mini also. Yeah. Not- oh yeah, I'll send you the stuff for that. Um. Yeah, but say do that because I was like, uh, yeah. I was like sitting there, I don't know what the login is anymore. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna end it there. Sorry, things got a little. I don't even know the word for it. 
I got a little confused. I confused myself with the progress of the story towards the end of the story, and now we're just rambling because it is almost 9 o'clock, and I am tired. So, we're going to sign off. Thank you for listening to... Crap, is this episode 18? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, cool. We're just going to say that this is episode 18 of A Fearful Earful, because I didn't do an introduction, and I told myself I was going to start being more professional. It's okay. We had we had Yorkie problems to attend to. Yeah, we kept getting interrupted because my Yorkie kept eating things. And then you know you can hear mine in the background if you you know if the edit out doesn't happen. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. You can find us on Twitter at a earful capital A E. We are not on Instagram as of yet. But you can find Jordan on Instagram and Twitter at perfectly underscore wild with an E. And me, DQ, on Twitter at D-A-Q-U-I-N-T-O-N, capital A, N-D-E-R-S, so it's the Quentin Anders, and DQ04 on Instagram. Our Facebook is a fearful earful, all one word. And you can email us your creepy stories or topic suggestions at... A fearful earful pod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, the best way to support the show is to leave us a review on iTunes, share with everyone you know, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. A fearful earful was created by me, Jordan Anderson, with co host DQ Anderson. All A Fearful Earful art was created by Gerilyn Anderson, my sister, and music is by One Wave, licensed through Premium Beat.